We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Hey there, welcome to Binge the Bucks, a special narrative podcast series focusing on the Milwaukee Bucks 2019 playoff run and part of the Eurostep podcast. I'm Ty Windish and I'm here with Rohan Kadi as usual to break down game two in the second series in the Bucks 2019 playoff run. This is a 123-102 victory over the Boston Celtics to even out the series. This podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag, and the Eurostep is proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. So this game two, as I mentioned at the end of game one podcast, we had our, our good friend Adam McGee with us. That was awesome. But the Bucks needed a win. Both teams still missing a key guard. Marcus Smart out for Boston. Malcolm Brogdon out for Milwaukee. This game went just a little bit better, I think it's safe to say. Huh, Rohan? Yeah, it went a little bit better. And, you know, it was it was the start of... It was the start of the end for the Celtics. Yep. It was it was a time where the Bucks realized, hey, we just it was it was like a pride thing as well as like you have to do this because it's like they just got they got blown out on their home court in game one. You can't let that happen for a second time. You can't even lose a second time on your home court. Because if you're down 0-2 as a higher seed and then you head on the road, you that's putting yourself in an extremely tough position to come back from. If not like essentially impossible yeah i would certainly agree but fortunately for these milwaukee bucks um they had no trouble uh sort of take well they don't you don't really take home court back but they at least don't go down oh to two 
Um, Milwaukee's offense finally gets working. The big three, Christianis and Bledsoe, all score 20 points. You know, I, I didn't go look before this. I really should have. I feel like they've Bucks very rarely lose in games where Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Eric Bledsoe all score 20. George Hill adds 10 from the bench. We get uh, Nikola Mirotic starting uh, for Sterling Brown. Sterling has another bad offensive showing. He also suffered from back spasms in the last game. But I think really the story of this game, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, Rohan, before we dive into the you know quarter-by-quarter quarter breakdown. The Bucks were able to wrangle Kyrie Irving, and it seemed like that, and, and part of that you know might not be all Milwaukee uh, responsible for Kyrie's bad game, but I think this series really kind of swung for the Celtics' end on how well Kyrie played. And after a tremendous game one, he did not have another tremendous game in this series. Yeah, it was that. He was making a lot of tough shots in game one, and they weren't necessarily falling for him in game two. And he was just, it was, it was really weird. We'll get into this. It was just, it was weird. It was. So, anyway, um, two Celtics shoot well overall. Marcus Morris and Al Horford, but they did not shoot enough to stop Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Kyrie Irving from having tough days. So, first quarter, the first play of the game is, and really, I think this was very concerning based on, I, I, my, my note after the note of what happened was, shoot me in the outer space, please. The first play of the game after the Bucks win the tip is an insane Eric Bledsoe pass to nobody on a drive that basically gave Jason Tatum a free dunk. And it's like after the bad bled concerns from game one of this series, from the last Boston series, this might be up there with the app, besides like an injury, the worst ways possible to start a crucial playoff game. Um, that was rough to see. It was it was very concerning. Uh, shoot you into outer space is an accurate uh, sort of <laughs> feeling after watching that first possession. Because on the rewatch, like I I know what's gonna happen because you know I've watched these games before, but yeah. it's sort of like oh god, it's sort of like you get taken back <laughs> to the moment, and in the moment you're just like, are are you kidding me? Like, is this really yeah. the first possession of this game where you, it's it's essentially a do-or-die game? Uh, and, and what's funny is, and not funny, I didn't remember this game starting off pretty rough, just like game one. Brooke Lopez hits a crazy three. Marcus Morris hits an absolutely bonkers long two as the shot clock expired that looked kind of like a travel, but whatever. And then uh, some more stuff happens. Al Horford hits a three on a pick-and-pop. All of a sudden, it's 12-5 to Celtics. And this felt like a danger zone. Like, oh my goodness, is this really going to happen again? Luckily, Chris Middleton, after not a great game one, a solid but not great, he cooks Jalen Brown on a drive for an and one. He hits some corner threes in this game, which wasn't really used to seeing Chris in the corner with any sort of space, but he did hit some corner threes. And the Bucks at least prevent, you know, they, they don't go down 21 to 10 like they did in game one, which was... A better start, at least. Yeah, I think the story of this game was Milwaukee's three-point shooting. And yep, uh, it came in this first quarter, we got like a good sign of it, because they made five threes. Uh, Lopez and Middleton combined to make four uh, in the first quarter, which was their combined total from game one. Uh, so already there, you're getting a massive improvement on the, on the shooting end, because one of the matchups that we talked about from the game one podcast was Brooke Lopez and Al Horford. And if Brooke Lopez isn't necessarily hitting his shots, it's it's hard to necessarily have him in the game. Like he's still gonna make like a solid impact as a floor spacer and as a rim protector, but especially against Al Horford, the rim protection kind of gets taken out with the pick and pop. And 
the offensive spacing can only do so much if if you're just going to miss every shot. So him hitting yeah. his two threes early in the first quarter like that was that was a great sign and just it was a telltale sign for what was to come in the rest of the game because in the first quarter like Boston still came out and they were looking like the team they looked like in game 1. Like they were locked in, they were focused, they were executing. It was just it was, they were putting on a clinic and Milwaukee wasn't Milwaukee wasn't backing down and like sort of sort of getting frazzled like they were in game 1. Like in game two, they were started, they were keeping pace with it, doing what they needed to do, and that's what kept them in the game. Yeah, I think um, the three pointing was three point shooting was huge. I think the Bucks shot like forty eight threes in this game or forty nine threes, and shot forty some percent from deep, which that uh, that obviously will help. They shot forty seven and they shot forty two point six percent on those forty seven attempts. So um, certainly a huge swing there. Um, this game again, Chris gives the lead on the corner three. The Bucks are up sixteen to fifteen in the first quarter. At one point, Giannis posts up on double team, misses, gets the board, turns it over while trying to shoot again. Just that tunnel vision that we certainly have seen a lot less this year uh, cropped up again in this game as well, although not as much clearly. Marcus Morris did work in this first quarter. Uh, he nails a catch and shoot three, give the Celtics the lead back, and then Chris with an, a beautiful, aggressive pull up three pointer in transition the lead comes back. Um, but it, it was really a back and forth first quarter. The Celtics do end up on top, uh, 30 to 23. One thing I did notice, we talked last podcast about not adjusting enough to, uh, Al Horford and letting him get, get to his spots. They actually over adjusted to stop that at one point in this first quarter, the fear of Horford ends up with him getting double team. And there's absolutely no need for it. Just two bucks ran at the same time on the perimeter. And I forget who it was, but somebody just leaves Gordon Hayward absolutely wide open in the corner, and he nails the three-pointer that was way, way too easy. And I think that I don't think that was the last play of the quarter. No, Bledsoe hits a layup at one point, but the Celtics do take a 30 to 23 lead to cement their their first quarter. And not a great sign, not a great first quarter to start this this game after game one. No, it was not. It was sort of it was sort of the fears being realized of even if the Bucks are sort of you know, playing within them, like within themselves and doing what they need to do, that it still might not be enough to beat Boston. And that first quarter kind of showed it. What we didn't really see a lot of was what really killed the Bucks in game one, which I mentioned earlier, which was Kyrie's shot making. Like he goes over mm-hmm. six in this first quarter, I think. Uh, and just he was he was making those shots. It, it was it's the classic thon maker expression it's the ma- it's a maker miss league uh and he was missing them in love this, that reference yeah, it was he was missing them in this first quarter i just so i think Kyrie had 11 assists in game one do you know how many he had across the rest of the series combined uh i don't know off the top of my head but if i were to take a guess i would say probably like 15 21, 21. so a little bit more but you look at 11 in game one and then 21 over the next four games. I mean, there was this series, I really think, and I, I think this is something interesting. I wanted to bust it out in the game one pod, but just just didn't have a good place to fit it in. This, this works better. Both of these teams were kind of the same way in a way. Um, they really went with the, the offensive focal point no matter what. Like if Kyrie wasn't playing well, this Celtics team, with him playing, and obviously they won a lot of games without him. It was controversial. But when, when he's playing, when he's playing a lot of minutes, when he's running the offense, the team really went with him. You know, they they, they were going to 
they were going to have a hard time overcoming a bad Kyrie game or four in a row because there was they didn't they didn't know what else to do. You know, they weren't a grown team that had clearly a lot of talent around him. Even, you know, post-injury Gordon Hayward is good. Obviously, you know, a year later, Jason Tatum's a superstar. But Kyrie, the way he ran that team, the, the way how integral he was, those guys didn't have set routines. They didn't know what to do when he was struggling, really. They weren't prepared to do anything. Kind of the same way the Bucks were with Giannis last year. You know, they didn't have that second thing. They didn't have the the safety valves. And if, like we saw game one, Giannis, despite padding his stats in the fourth quarter, had a bad game and nobody else was ready to do anything. That flips for the rest of this series. But that is interesting. At, at least that's how I've been looking at it, is you can really see these two teams kind of go with the best guy. I mean, it's really, and sometimes the Bucks would lose even when Giannis did have a good game. But if Giannis is flummoxed and in the muck, this version of this Bucks team really did not have anything else to do. And it seems like the same kind of went for Kyrie. Yeah, it was, there was a lack of other creation, like creators. Because the Celtics were so used to Kyrie doing everything that they couldn't really, they they didn't know what to do when he wasn't doing as well. Like, compare that to the season before where they went to Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. Like, Jason Tatum was running the show. Terry Rozier was had uh, a big role. And then those those two started, they, they got reduced in the regular season. And they didn't really have the, the reps to sort of, you know, get get themselves going when Kyrie wasn't uh, playing well. So that that played into their downfall a lot. And I guess you could say the same thing about the Bucks Because when Giannis isn't doing well, Chris Middleton, we've mentioned, wasn't as unlocked as a creator and as, as a shot maker as he is this season compared to last season, Eric Bledsoe sort of fades away when playoff time comes around. You didn't have a yeah. guy like Dante. Malcolm Brogdon at the time was injured. Uh, George Hill sort of still had a comparatively reduced role than what he does now. He wasn't as comfortable in the offense as he is now. So you didn't really have like those options. Like Again, Brooke Lopez, you didn't really post him up uh, to get a shot. Robin Lopez didn't wasn't on the team to go get a shot. You, you couldn't do really much of anything if Giannis wasn't playing incredible. Right. No, for sure. And I think, thankfully, you know, for the rest of the series, he, he really did play pretty, pretty at least close to incredible. Uh, second quarter starts with the classic, no, 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 yes, Bledsoe 3 over Al Horford. He kind of just stood there and then took it. I didn't feel like a great shot, but it did go in. Uh, there was a Nikola Mirotic block, which is like like seeing a, a hole-in-one in golf. Uh, <laughs> I think rare. it's rare. It probably, you know, honestly, maybe if you do the math. Um, Bledsoe with some good driving. Like I said, I accidentally said Bledsoe had a good game one. That was not the case at all, but he did have a pretty pretty solid game two. Um, Horford with a drive and flush in this game. We talked about it last episode. Wild to see Al Horford doing like athletic, useful, very effective stuff when with the Sixers, he just has not looked, not looked anywhere near that. Uh, Giannis gets a huge block on Tatum after he... So Tatum posts up Pat Connaughton, gets a pretty easy bucket. He goes through the same thing. Giannis is just like, no, you're not posting up my guy Pat twice. I just got a great real estate tip from him. I can't let you do this to my man, Pat. <laughs> he stuffs it. Uh, Giannis had a slam right after that that does not make sense. Like, it looks like, I think it's on Baines, it looks like he like Baines did a pretty good job and stymies his drive. He kind of gets him away from the rim. And then Giannis just, like, reaches up and dunks it, and everyone kind of stood there like, how the hell did he do that? Like, he seemed way too far away. 
that's the Giannis effect, I guess. Um, but that just gave the Bucks a two-point lead. Uh, no, they were within two. The Celtics is actually taking the lead. Excuse me. The Celtics do win the first quarter, um, thirty to twenty-three. I think I mentioned 25. that. But that th- wait, what? what thirty sorry, to twenty-five. Oh, was it twenty-five? Mm-hmm. Oh, my bad. I had they took a thirty to twenty-three lead at one point. Then the Bucks did score that blood cell layup. There it is, finding it. Um, but the Bucks are only within two after that. So again, this is one where I feel like I, when I look back, I, I tend to paint things with like a simplistic brush. I looked at game one as the Celtics blew out the Bucks pretty soundly, and then game two was vice versa. But, you know, the Bucks were right in game one for a good while, and the Celtics, you know, leading this game at a sort of middle of the third quarter, or second quarter, excuse me, point as well. Mm. It was just, it was sort of like, it was the Bucks figuring it out. Because even in yeah. game one, they the only reason they sort of stayed afloat is because they were, like, Nikola Mirotic went on streak. Like, that's the only reason they sort of made it seem like it was a competitive game. What a weird yep. sentence. Again, came in a loss. Doesn't really matter. Uh, uh, <laughs> peak Nikola Mirotic for in a Bucks uniform is in a loss. Um, but <laughs> in in the second quarter, it was the Bucks figuring it out. Like I just said, it wasn't. Um, they weren't staying in the game because they were getting like lucky hot shooting. It was because they were playing well and getting their normal good shots. Like they were figuring out how to play their game within this elite Boston defense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Chris hits a double clutch three, which was pretty cool. Uh, that does give the Bucks the lead in the second quarter. Giannis drives through Baines to open it up a little bit. Giannis was just having more success driving, but still, you can. I still think he's so much better this year than last year, which is For crazy sure. considering how good he was last. year. He was the but MVP. It is. Yeah, and and soon to be again, hopefully. Um, the Celtics do end up taking the lead back though. Chris hits another corner three. This was weird to see Chris finding corner threes. That. Not something defenses give up anymore, but he was getting them in this series. A Jalen Brown putback gets it within one. George Hill to end the half. A beautiful pull-up three. I love watching George Hill play that, basketball. That play, I just think it's that play so I much thought fun. was a perfect encapsulation of the the rest of the series, like game two through five, because George Hill was making a deep three because Kyrie didn't get back on defense. Mm, yeah, great observation. Because like it, that shouldn't he shouldn't have gotten that good of a shot because it was so easy yeah because there was no one on him because there was there was only bigs back i think it was baines and morris i think who were back on defense and like george hill just like stutter stepped to fake that he's going to the rim and then just took a wide open three yeah. and then that he was like he was a little bit behind the arc but not like crazy far yeah it wasn't like near the logo or anything no, but no, it was no. just like he, the only reason he was that wide open is because Kyrie wasn't back like he was just lazily getting back yeah and this was not a fast break like this was the celtics make a bucket and Giannis inbounds right to george hill who just literally like you said i mean dribbles up to his spot maybe a foot foot and a half behind the three-point line sort of on the 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 shoulder i don't know if that's a real term the the side not not the corner like halfway between the corner and the 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 wing the middle wow the wing thank Mm -hmm. you i'm unable to speak at this point but um but yeah, it was just like such an easy shot for him to dribble into. It's just like, my God, like George Hill should not be left that wide open. I mean, this is before he leads the league in three-point percentage for most of this past season, but still like known as a good shooter. Just wild to not have Kyrie or anybody there. But yeah, that was maybe one of those little signs that things were not going to be going well for the Celtics anymore in this series. Yeah, for like, again, the second quarter, Middleton, Middleton went three for four from deep. Uh, 
That helps. Yeah, it does. It was it was the crazy Middleton game of this Boston series, uh, compared to like what was that every game last like the season before? Yeah, yeah the the twenty eighteen one was wild. Man. Yeah, uh, like I mentioned on game one, I thought we were gonna get it in game one. We didn't really, but we definitely got it in game two. And uh, the second quarter, he he had eleven points on four for six shooting from the field, including like I said, three for four from deep. Like that's that's how the Bucks got the lead because their second best player showed up, played like yep. it. Yeah, he ends up shooting seven for ten overall from deep in this game. So if you were betting a Chris Middleton three point attempt was going in, you were gonna win that bet. And speaking of bets, with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB on, you might think there's nothing to bet on, but you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag, still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or you can let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. It's all open 24 hours a day and it's all completely online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a full 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. All right, Rohan, third quarter, where this thing gets better. The Bucks are up 59-55 to 55 at halftime, so they have the lead, but this thing is not yet open up, and it seemed like at first it was going to be a pretty tough game. You know, it seemed like it was going to be tough for the Bucks to even this series out. Third quarter starts with a typical trademark overly tough Kyrie basket, but then Bledsoe answers with one of his own. You know, Giannis gets a layup in transition where sort of tunnel vision E, but doesn't, uh, it's the, it works out this time. He passes when he gets stood up by Marcus Morris, finds Brooke Lopez for, I, I forgot how many tough, beautiful Brooke Lopez threes there were back in the day. I, from watching this year so closely and being so fixated on it, you're just used to Brooke not finding that much success from deep, but he was pulling up and hitting everything. But still, I mean, this thing was not broken open yet Horford hits a catch and shoot three pull within four 66 62 bucks Rohan when watching this third quarter did you expect the Bucks to be up more by this point because I honestly did like this turned from a close playoff game into a blowout very quickly yeah I was surprised at how long it took to necessarily get to a blowout status get to Gershon Yabasoli <laughs> Oh, what a thick boy. Uh, I have a take on this later, but I'll save it for the fourth quarter breakdown. Okay, okay. Well, I'm excited. Um, yeah, I was surprised it took this long and not like how quick it changed because it seemed like the Bucks were sort of, they were doing what their peak of their powers was because you had Giannis going off. You had Chris Middleton uh, and Eric Bledsoe sort of going off, but also secondary to Giannis. So that's like sort of, that's the hierarchy of this team, and that's if you're getting all of that happening, you expect the team to be, you know, winning by a lot of points. Because if all of the Bucks' big three is going off, and the rest of the team isn't just completely, uh, like, you know, if they're on the court and you know, like, doing NBA player things while those three are going off, it's it's hard to necessarily lose. But the Boston was they were staying in it for a bit. They they got a lot of tough buckets out of Marcus Morris they got yeah. um Kyrie actually hit a couple shots 
Aaron Baines was doing some things. It was just, <laughs> it, it was weird, but then it all, it all fell apart. Once Boston showed like a little bit of weakness, Milwaukee just pounced and it was three after three after three. Like everyone was getting in on it. Uh, Bledsoe, yeah. Middleton, Lopez, Giannis, Giannis went Giannis. two for two. Two big threes, mm-hmm. yeah. He, he even did a shimmy after the second one. He did the little mm-hmm. shoulder so, shimmy after he hit a walk-up three on Aaron Baines. That was a pretty move, yeah. Uh, Marcus Morris, just going back quickly, six for eight from the field, I think three for four from deep in this game. So he he actually, I think, led the Celtics in scoring. But, yeah, so my notes are like all these back-and-forth stuff. You know, the Bucks are up four. Bledsoe hits Milton in the corner for a three. He drains the Bucks are up ten. Kyrie, like you said, making some tough shots. And it's just all caps. Giannis for three, Giannis for three again, Bledsoe for three. Suddenly the Bucks are up 20. And that was really like they just, like we talked about the three-point shooting. They made a bunch of threes and just ran away with it. And you could tell Boston, it was like when the when that Horford block, if that maybe demoralized the Bucks and ended that game, that run in the third quarter was the same to, to the Celtics. There was just, there was no coming back from that. The effort wasn't there on defense. The Bucks end up winning that third quarter. 39 to 18, a 21 point lead in one quarter. And that made the fact that Boston ends up winning the fourth quarter, 29 to 25, pretty irrelevant. I mean, Lawler's law came real early in this fourth quarter. And uh, that that ended, uh, ended this game. I'm pretty game, sure Boston basically. at one point, like, it took them around like three minutes to score in the fourth quarter, like at yeah, all. Yeah, no, I, I had that almost four minutes, actually, I think. Dang. Because I know they, they had a yeah. little bit of a drought to end the third, and it extended into the fourth, and then the Bucks are just actually making shots while the Celtics were not making yes. shots. Like, at the end of the day, if you're not making shots and the other team is, you're not going to win. And that, that, that played out. Correct. Though no, when the, the Bucks reach 100 points during that drought, they're up 100 to 73. And, yeah, the whoever ran the game had a graphic. Jalen Brown hit a tough pull-up. Uh, two right after the they showed the graphic, which is pretty much how that stuff goes. But I think it was three minutes and change the Bucks were scoreless for, and or excuse me, the Celtics were scoreless for. I got ahead of myself. The Bucks were certainly not scoreless for this time. They uh, they put the game away with it. Bledsoe gets a nice stuff on Kyrie uh, in in traffic, which was which was good good to see. Bledsoe winning a matchup against a, a Celtics point guard, even just for a second. Terry Rozier head faked Pat C so hard Pat C jumped out of bounds. <laughs> Both feet out of bounds, Rohan. Like, love Pat. That's the Pat C story. Does does stuff well, but totally the Pat C story. Just trying to do a little too much, whether it's, you know, dribble driving not well or literally leaping out of bounds. I just, I, you have to be impressed at the athleticism. It almost looked like he actually jumped over Terry Rogier, which maybe he did, but just scale it back a little bit. Just jump straight up, Pat. Like, don't. Don't leap out of bounds. I mean, he's please. he's always trying to go for that block and leak out dunk. He is. And, you know, props to him. He's always going to bring energy. There's no question in that. Mm-hmm. But it's just like if you're doing that, the offensive player can just get a sidestep three whenever they want. Yep, which happened mm-hmm. right there. So, you know, it's I, it, it's tough because, like you said, he brings a lot of energy, but is that really the best defensive sometimes when it works it is it's very it's when that very, play happens uh, it's just demoralizing for the other team yes. but that is a rare when it occasion doesn't, it's, when it doesn't it's three points for for the other team uh you win lose or you big you you win big or you lose big sometimes um nico Mirotic hits a three after pat c Look offensive rebound good play good play uh pat with a good effort play Nico looks up to heaven after making the three, and I just put relatable content. That's also 
how I was looking. You know, I think it's important as we look back. We've trashed Nico Miritich a bunch, and we will more. At the time, I was really rooting for the guy, and not just because of like, not just because of course him being really good would make the Bucks, you know, a title favorite probably. Um, maybe not favorite with the Warriors still rolling, but a, a shot, a, a lock to get to the finals at least. I, I felt bad. I mean, he's a good player. The Bucks didn't give up a lot to get him. And in this time, I was like, he just needs to get hot from three. That's it. But there were some defensive shortcomings I was not paying enough attention to. It. Yeah, it was a lot of, it, it's easy to look back at it and be like, wow, he was a traffic cone on the defensive end. Uh, yep. But in the moment, it's just sort of like, if he can get hot, it's over for any opponent. Yes. He just never got it hot really because his career reputation was just like he was a great shooter. He was an essential part of that New Orleans Pelicans team that swept the Blazers. And if he could just do that for the Bucks, the Bucks are unstoppable. But he he never did I, that. I do think part of it comes back to Milwaukee not having a second center. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at when Nico was good on the Pelicans, he was more of a 3-4 on, on those teams. And, and the matchups helped. I mean... They were really good against the Blazers. The Blazers don't have a wing who could really... They didn't then have a wing that could hurt you. Like, as long as you don't have to put Nico on, on Dame or CJ, it really doesn't matter. This Celtics team has so many wings. It's the opposite of that, basically. But that that made him look a little better, I think, for sure, in that series. But also, like, he can't play the five at all defensively, and the Bucks didn't really have options besides Brooke Lopez and a little bit of Giannis. So that doesn't help him, to be in fairness, but... He did not play well. No, he um, did the not. Shocker tie. That is the hottest take you've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> that Nico Miritich did not play well for the Bucks in the playoffs. Thank you. This is that that yeah. I don't. I need to cool off from that. Blazing new trails yeah. here. On the brighter side, the Bucks go up thirty-one in this game at one point after a George Hill three. Um, I Nico misses three point blank looks before getting the fourth to fall at the basket. Just, oh, just uh, an encapsulation, but. My last note, I totally forgot how big Gershon Yabasele is. <laughs> like, he was, he played in game one, too. I went back and looked. But the Celtics wore black, and black is a slimming color. Mm. I can attest to that, and this is proof. My goodness, like, you're watching him in game two. And I don't mean to be rude. I don't mean to shame anybody. I just forgot the size of the lad. Like, wow. Yeah, I was, oh, my I, goodness. I, I like, thought no the wonder thing. the guy could do some work around the I thought the, the same exact thing. The the f- craziest and, thing was he was running out for a dunk in the fourth quarter during garbage time. Like, yeah. Props to him, man. But wow. <laughs> is he still in the league? It, okay. No, I don't think he is. What's what's kind of like the, they had two huge guys. Semi Ojale is very big too, but he's big and like. like yeah, he's ripped. jacked. Like Semi Ojale is shredded. Gershon, not mm-hmm. as much. I think, was his nickname French Draymond at one point? Was it really? <laughs> I think it was because he was born in France. Sixteenth overall pick. No, he uh, he has not played a game in the league since uh, since this playoff series. Actually, <laughs> yeah, wow. I think that's what the the Celtics fans called him, though. French Draymond, which not so much. French, yeah, wow. That's yeah. I I definitely remember having that take because it was just I was just shocked that yeah an NBA player would look like that. Like I'm trying to the, the Celtics had another guy. Who was actually better, like a veteran who was there? Oh my, I'm totally blanking on who it was now. Uh, I'll go back and look while I talk. But um, like in this series, but the, uh, yeah, no, 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 like a couple of years. Earlier. Glenn Davis, like, I think in like the first. No, I, mean, I I remember I remember Glenn Davis. I thought they had another guy who like he had a famous quote. Like they asked him, 
Like he, Jared Sullinger. Ah, uh, yep. Because mm-hmm. he used his butt to rebound, and somebody asked him, like, uh, somehow, I don't know how you ask a guy about that. <laughs> somebody did. And he's basically like, I got it from my mother. <laughs> I always thought that was a hilarious, a hilarious all-time quote. Um, but so that's that's this game. The Bucks do end up, um, you know, rolling, uh, evening out the series. What was your – if you have any fourth quarter stuff that, that we skipped over, feel free to share. But otherwise, what was your uh, series vibe? I think that Giannis was figuring it out. And that's just he, – he found the seams in the defense. He found out that when Al Horford was off the floor and Aaron Baines was in as the only big, that you could get a basket anytime he wanted. And that even when Al Horford was on the floor, he realized he can pass out to shooters who will knock it down. And that was that was, that was was it. He, he realized how he needs to play within this game. He realized that Al, Al Horford is good at defending just like stand-up baskets around the rim and at uh, straight line drives, which he sort of took a little bit out of the system uh, against that because he realized, like I said, that Al Horford can defend them. So he went... And found other things. He uh, got more skillful in his drives. He got more uh, uh, seems like in the defense for passing lanes. He he figured out the team mentally. And when that happened, it was all over. Yeah, I think that's a definitely a fair take. Um, certainly a lot more optimism. But I still, at this point, was not. I don't think. Well, I have to listen back. Maybe I was. Maybe I'm lying. But I like. You still don't have home court. Like the Celtics at this point just have to win their home games. So I think I'm pretty sure, and at least on rewatch, I thought I would be more like, we got to see them win in Boston now. And that is not easy. It ended up being kind of easy, but it's generally not easy. So I think that was like one of the, the big things. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the year before when these teams played, didn't the Celtics win all the Boston games and that's why they won the series? I think so. Yeah, it was the home team won every game in that series. Yeah, and the Celtics had the mm-hmm. home court advantage, so that was so you're kind of looking at it like, oh no, like we all of a sudden now we have to win in Boston. That was not something the Bucks could do last. I think year. I remember feeling um, a bit confident because, like we talked about in, on the game one podcast, like that was that was the best that Boston could offer, and yeah. uh, we saw them sort of like the Bucks sort of um, match those. Uh, the things that sort of, you know, got them because the pick and pop wasn't really killing them in this game uh, because they, you know, they sort of realized, oh, we can we can counter this by like, you know, not dropping as deep. And, you know, with Brooke Lopez actually playing well, like his offense like sort of mitigates the defensive concerns. So as you're not getting straight negatives while Brooke Lopez is on the floor. So... Like the the strengths of Boston were being figured out by Milwaukee, and we'd already seen peak Boston. I was a little worried. I remember about the shooting because I think this was what a franchise record for playoff threes made by the Bucks in this game at twenty. Oh, pretty much. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, they, yeah, they made twenty threes. So if you're if you're doing that, like, can you do that consistently? Like, that's not something you can really right predict necessarily because you know there's so much variance in shooting so if i was i was wondering to see if the bucks could if the bucks could win without shooting like a monster amount of threes then then you're talking but if they're if the only reason they did win was because they were getting such hot shooting from their entire roster that's what would be concerning and now that i'm saying this it's weird to, it's weird to talk about the bucks 
shooting like a franchise record or something <laughs> amount of threes to beat the Celtics. Yeah. When it's turned out that now every team that wants to beat the Bucks has to make like a franchise record in threes. It's just it's, <laughs> a, it's a weird retrospective. So we were right about that series in 2018. The home team won every game, so the Bucks were 0 and 4 in Boston. Obviously, why they lost the series. Fun trivia: Who led the Celtics in rebounds in Game Three of that series? Game Three of that series, um, Bucks win. They saw their first win. Obviously, was it, it was John Henson? It was on. Nope, the, the Celtics. Oh, Celtics. Celtics. Sorry. Uh, was it was on four twenty? Nice. Um, yep. was it? Shoot, was it? Was it? Was it Baines? Greg Monroe. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Monroe, twelve boards oh off the bench. Not God, really a good I game for him. Forgot about that. But yep, I also did forget about that. So, friend of the Bucks, formerly Greg Monroe, uh, led the Celtics in in, in that season that too. One. He was on the Bucks that season. Yeah, and then got shipped off for Bledsoe, and then cut. Right? Yeah, I think it, I think Released he was bought him. out. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. whatever. It's yeah, the same. same thing. And then yeah. he went to what? He went to Philly, Toronto, and Boston in that season. Yeah, like the whole Atlantic mm-hmm. division, basically. All the good teams. And I had to pull up the Jared Sullinger quote. So this is in 2015, I think. Yep, December 2015. Jared Sullinger, Boston Celtics forward, had totaled 36 rebounds over his last two games. Somebody just asked him why he has been able to get so many rebounds. That's all they asked. So they didn't ask about his derriere. Here's the quote. My mom, Sullinger said, per Taylor C. Snow of Celtics.com. So this came from the Celtics website. That's a blessing my mom gave me. She gave me her booty so I can give all the credit to my mama. <laughs> that's that's, a, that's an, an all-time quote. I can't believe I've never heard that before. Yep. Jared Sullinger just being real honest. Yeah. That's that's amazing. <laughs> that's all I've got for the game now. I, I can't top that at yeah. all. Yeah. No, I can't, I can't top that either. Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness that's amazing uh yeah i just yeah i don't know i don't know where to go from that. i i think all we can do is try to wrap this up because we are we're not going to have any analysis that's more interesting than jared sullinger's reason for rebounding yeah well i think i think we've covered this game pretty well we've talked about jared sullinger and his mom um that's wow yeah um <laughs> uh yep the bucks win this game what was it 123 102 so the but like bucks and celtics trade you know um 20 point blowouts to start the series which is always great for the nba uh but it, it was fun this was a fun game to watch i'll say that because you see you sort of see the story of the bucks sort of like struggling in the first quarter and then they sort of like fight their own demons and sort of like you know rise from it so it was it was a fun game to watch like narrative wise and i it was very fun to cover on here uh but yeah i if you don't have anything else from this game i guess we can we can wrap up this podcast by saying uh we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of binge the bucks if you enjoyed the episode please leave a rating and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and make sure to tell your family and friends about the podcast um make sure you check out all of the other podcasts across the blue wire podcast network they're all pumping out great content during this hiatus in sports and i guess all i can say now is please stay safe and we will talk to you next time mother's day is almost here 
and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.